0: Hi, and welcome to Nation State of Play. I'm your host, Brian Miller. In each episode of this podcast, we explore high impact topics determining the future of our nation state. Our guest today is Audrey Dow with the Campaign for College Affordability. Audrey is leading the fight to protect public higher education in California during these difficult state budget times. She joins us to discuss where public education in California has been, where it's going, and what the state can do now to protect access to higher education during the age of COVID. Well, Audrey, thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate having you on the show. Thank
1: you for having me.
0: Well, can you tell us a little bit about the Campaign for College Opportunity and what you focused on?
1: Sure. The Campaign for College Opportunity is a California statewide policy and advocacy organization focused uh, primarily on access, completion, affordability, and higher education. Uh, We are celebrating our 16th year uh, this year. Um, co-founded by the California Business Roundtable, the Mexican American Legal Defense and Education Fund and the Community College League of of California, who most of the time um, as organizations don't come together on many issues, but the one issue that they could come together around 16 years ago uh, was the need for more students in California to have an opportunity to go to college and graduate. It's a civil rights issue. It is a business and economic issue and um, the representation of the Community College League um, in our founding as an organization is really the recognition that the majority of students in California who go to college um, are at a
0: start at a California Community College. Great. Well, you know, I'd love to just kind of set the table for this discussion with a little bit of history of higher ed in California, because I do think it's such a fascinating history and it, and it sets us apart as a state in so many ways. So um, let's, let's go back to 1960, a um, little bit of a history lesson in the, in the master plan under, under Pat Brown, um,
1: sure.
0: the, the, the first Governor Brown. What did the master plan do? What, what was the path that that set us on?
1: Oh, what the, what was visionary about the state's master plan for higher education is that it really set up a way in which every Californian who wanted an opportunity to go to college had a pathway into the university system it also differentiated three distinct systems um, within higher education for California. So you had our University of California that would be accessible for really the top performing students across the state. And it would be the institution that would really function as the state's research institution um, and really kind of the think tank of, of the state. And it would be reserved again for the top you know, 12% uh, of students uh, statewide. Then we had our California State University system open to the top, you know, third of students graduating from high school. Um, And that institution would really be focused on on preparing the workforce of California, the professionals, um, the teachers, um, you know, the the firefighters, our police force, all of those, All of those types of professions would really be coming out of our California State uh, University system. Um, And then we had our California community colleges established um, more formally. We had community colleges well before 1960 and, and other colleges and universities. But in the master plan, the community colleges were really defined as open access. Um, with two primary institutions, primary missions rather. One really being um, the ground where where students could go to prepare um, to transfer to a four-year university. So doing lower division college uh, coursework and then being able to transfer. So the transfer function was really built into that plan in the 1960s um, as a core goal of the community colleges. And then you had um, the other function really to do ongoing learning, job training um, for those who who wanted to get into the workforce much more quickly or who needed some upskilling um, to be able to continue to
0: participate. Is that what made it different is that other states really hadn't laid out those, those different lines before in, in that sort of formal structure? Is that what was new that California was doing?
1: That's correct. This differentiation of mission and ensuring that there were clear pathways and, you know, um, clear pathways and and ways in which students could find their way into each of these systems was was made very clear. What was not made so clear, well, there was a real plan for access to these institutions. And again, this differentiation of mission among the three segments. What you didn't see is really what the state needed out of these systems. So in no way was there a a plan that said we should have um, the UC producing this many graduates per year. We should have the CSU producing this many graduates in these fields. Per year, And so that's why we still see today in California, really a shortage of baccalaureate degrees in key industries like healthcare, um, because we never set up our higher education system to, to align and define the outcomes we wanted to see from our systems of higher education. It's also true that California has been quite limited by the design of our higher education public institutions. So the fact that only a third of our California high school graduates will find a seat by design at the CSU or UC is, is, is problematic today when we need, you know, more than more and more people to have a bachelor's degree just to enter the workforce We're essentially by design cutting out seventy percent of of high school students from a spot at our public universities when again we need you know more and more of them to be earning a baccalaureate degree and we know that that our California community colleges, even as they improve upon transfer. We're still really not getting more than you know thirty-five percent of all students who started a community college to transfer within six years. So, there, well, the nineteen-sixty master plan for higher education was definitely visionary for the time and set up one of the best higher education systems in the country. Um, there is still a lot that we have to be doing to really get the outcomes we need from that system, and also to to actually update um, the, the caps that exist at the CSU and UC to reflect the the demands of our economy for a more educated workforce.
0: And those caps are just total enrollment caps? That's what you're talking about there? That's correct. They are, uh, yes,
1: they are admission caps, absolutely.
0: So um, let's talk about graduation rates a little bit. Uh, what what are approximately the different graduation rates from the CSUs to the UCs to community colleges?
1: Yeah, well, you see at the, you know, the University of California has incredibly high, you know, graduation rate. We probably see, you know, students, um, you know, depending on, you know, race and ethnicity. Um, you see students really within the six-year time frame of graduation, really close to about 80, 85 percent of students are graduating from the UC with their degrees in you know, within six years. At the CSU, it is much lower. Um, we're really only seeing about you know 40 to 50 percent of students within six years graduating with a baccalaureate degree. Um, and I want to be clear that that's six years, the, the four-year marker at the CSU is much lower. Um, and then at community colleges, again, we're seeing about 35% of students transferring, earning an associate degree or earning a certificate uh, within six years um, at, the, at, again, the California community colleges. So lots of room for improvement in terms of
0: completion. So, are there specific policies that your organization is supporting to help improve those graduation rates?
1: Absolutely, and a lot of our work has, has been primarily focused on the California Community Colleges. You know, in 2010, we introduced legislation, um, SB 1440, that created the Associate Degree for Transfer. Um, this is the 10-year anniversary of that degree. And the whole vision of that degree was that there would be one streamlined pathway between community colleges and the CSU system. So that a student at East Los Angeles College would have the same curriculum uh, to transfer to any CSU in communications as a student at Fresno City College, as a student at San Francisco City College. That all three of them would again, have same curriculum, same pathway to get into any CSU prior to the associate degree for transfer, every single community college had an individual independent articulation agreement with every single CSU campus. And so you had thousands upon thousands of ways to transfer into a college. There was no consistency. So it made it really difficult for students um, to apply to more than one CSU campus. Um, It made it really difficult for students to attend more than one community college because, again, every college had a different articulation agreement. So SB 1440 and the associate degree for transfer um, streamlined all of that. Not only that, it guaranteed that students would only earn 60 units at the community college level. Most students at the time were earning well over 90 units. um, When they were at the point of transfer, which is, you know, more than a year of coursework, extra, almost two years of extra coursework. Um, It also guaranteed um, a spot at the CSU for students when they were ready to transfer. Um, And it guaranteed junior standing when students got to a CSU. So the CSU could not say to a student, well, you went to XYZ Community College. Um, We want you to retake some of the courses that you took there to better meet what we think it." it means to be qualified. Um, That was happening often. The CSU is no longer to do that. They accept the associate degree for transfer, guarantee the student a spot. They are juniors when they come in, and then they are guaranteed 60 units um, at the CSU before they graduate. We have hit almost 200,000 associate degrees for transfer um, being conferred uh, as of uh, this last uh, spring. Um, So it is a degree that is incredibly popular with students. It is reducing the number of units that that students are taking at the community college level and more students are graduating with their bachelor's degree on the CSUN. So that is something we're incredibly proud of. There is still a lot of work to do to make the ADT the preferred pathway, but that's one big, you know, systemic solution to fixing what has really been a broken transfer pathway between the community colleges and the CSU the other really big reform that that we we championed and led was around placement um, at the community colleges you'll recall that you know prior to two years ago community colleges utilized um, a high stakes assessment test to place incoming students into English and math courses and about 80 percent of community college students statewide um, actually were placed into remedial math and or English based on their performance on those high stakes assessment tests and so what research tells us is that you know Grades and performance in high school are actually much better predictors of how a student will perform in college English and college math. And so we introduced and passed legislation, AB 705, that actually now requires colleges, the community colleges, to place students directly into college level English and math, um, if that is where students will have the greatest chance of success. And what we know is that even a student who graduates high school with a 1.9 GPA, they are still much more likely to find success in college-level English and math with some supports than being placed into remedial education. When when students are placed into remedial education courses, meaning below college level, they really only have a 20% chance of ever reaching their goal at the community college, be it transfer a degree or a credential. And so this was a huge problem. We saw students really bleeding out of the educational pipeline because they would never get out of a remedial education sequence. And this new effort now has more students on day one, thousands more students being placed into college level English and math and succeeding. We're about to embark on our second fall this you know, this August, September, um, where students are required to be placed into college level English and math. And so we'll continue to monitor the faithful implementation, hopefully by colleges and, and see increasing numbers of students
0: progressing along their degree pathways. Great, well, it's that's a helpful discussion of at least some of the challenges that the university system's currently facing. And, and so now I wanna to pivot to the budget cuts and. And first, have you explain what the current budget deal does, but um, really um, focus as much as you can on what those budget cuts are actually going to mean for students and some of the challenges that you've been talking about?
1: Absolutely. Well, first of all, you know we know that the governor and the legislature had incredibly difficult budget decisions to make. Um, you know, there had to be cuts had to be made. Nobody wants to see, you know, higher education, healthcare. Um, you know, education. Nobody wants to see those those things cut, but we are in an unprecedented time. No one could have really predicted that we would have this pandemic in, in January um, and, and that our world would quickly, you know, be turned upside down. So, I, you know, I definitely want to, you know, start with applauding both the governor and the legislature for, you know, I think doing their best to protect our most vulnerable students um while you know also really calling on the federal government to allocate some necessary resources to california so that we don't have to really balance the budget on the backs of you know qualified and talented students who are really going to be the ones who get us out of this economic recession you know that said the budget deal you know includes about a billion dollar budget cut for CSU, and, and you see if the federal government doesn't come in, um, those are, you know, cuts that each institution will face should the feds not come in, they're so-called trigger cuts, and and those are not insignificant cuts. Um, both segments also receive just in their general budget, even without the trigger cuts, um, they are all, they are both going to see um, less money, uh, coming their way than either institution requested in January, and that was going to have really big implications on on enrollment. You know how many, and in particular, starting in in the fall of twenty twenty one. Um, you know, admissions offers have been accepted and students are, you know, have already elected to enroll at our campuses for this fall. But I anticipate and we anticipate that, you know, admissions um, and enrollment will likely be cut fairly significantly um, starting next year if if these cuts, if the trigger cuts happen at, at UC and CSU. Um, you know, there has been some discussion and some folks have alluded to the fact that UC and CSU could elect to raise tuition that's definitely a possibility. I think that the legislature and the governor would likely make statements that they do not support that as a revenue raising mechanism um, but it is still up to the you know up to the UC Regents and the CSU trustees about whether or not they feel they need to go that route. So I think what we are seeing, you know, for the foreseeable future, um, you know, two of the biggest levers for UC and CSU to sustain budget cuts is to limit enrollment, which means qualified, talented students um, that are doing everything we tell them to do in high school uh, will not find their spot at the UC or CSU, um, or we will see the systems raise tuition and fees which means that you know there are real implications for students to be able to afford an education at at one of those um, campuses. Now our community colleges are not seeing really any any trigger cuts but what they will have to contend with is about is over 700 million dollars in deferrals or really late payments. Um, Well this is somewhat good news, I really want to remind your listeners that the ability for the community colleges to weather the deferral really depends on their level of reserves, their ability to, you know, fundraise, and their ability to borrow. If a, you know, we have 114 different community colleges in the state in 72 community college districts. Each one of those campuses and districts is in a very different economic situation. Some campuses will have, you know, some substantial reserves and will be able to absorb the deferrals with no problem. Others may not have that and will have to cut. Unlike the CSU and UC, um, we won't see, you know, just We won't see enrollment cuts because of our master plan. Um, All are welcome. Um, Our California community colleges are open access. And we likely won't see a fee increase at the community colleges. So what we'll likely see at the community colleges is things like um, course sections cut. So you could see a laying off of adjunct faculty and critical courses that students need to graduate. and you know continue to pursue their degrees could will be limited. Um, We could also see the um, elimination of core student support programs um, at the campuses that students rely on um, could be cut significantly so you know I want to be clear that our community colleges have not really been left off off the the chopping block when it comes to that. as I as I shared earlier, you know the governor and legislature did, you know make some bold statements about ensuring that most vulnerable, underrepresented groups are are protected, um, that college opportunity is protected for them, and so they did lay out some guidance for the CSU and UC. With regards to how they make their cuts, and really calling for transparency. So what the governor said in in, in the budget documents and the legislature said was that, you know, they want to make sure that um, that um, that that the CSU system and the UC system actually state clearly what cuts they intend to make to contend with the budget. They wanted it to be very public how those cuts were decided upon and third the governor and legislature are asking both segments that they consult with a group of external stakeholders as they make those decisions now how the csu and uc go about that that is not clear yet but it is definitely the intention of our state selected leaders that the csu and uc be very transparent about what those cuts are, how those were decided upon, and and who was consulted in in making those cuts. And and I think that that was a very, you know, responsible, um, that was very responsible guidance from the governor um, and legislature. The governor and legislature also um, made a pretty strong commitment and show of support for undocumented Um, students. We saw 15 million dollars in the budget for emergency aid um, for undocumented students across all three systems. That's really important because undocumented students, as you know, um, were carved out essentially of federal CARES Act funding and so were ineligible to receive that money. And even though the California Community Colleges did uh when they're challenged to the department the US Department of Education and have now been allowed to use their dollars their federal cares act dollars for undocumented students um what what we know is that um many community colleges have already expended a majority of their resources so there there could be situations where a lot of colleges have already expended all their dollars and there's not much left for undocumented students. So this this carve out in the budget of $15 million in emergency aid um, for undocumented students by the governor and legislature is definitely welcome. There's also $10 million in funding for immigrant legal services and $5.8 million for dreamer resource liaison programs at the community colleges. So um, all of that was incredibly um, good news for all the undocu allies in the state. You know, I think the governor and legislature also, you know, made a budget allocation of $120 million really to support basic needs, um, learning loss, and, you know, all related to COVID-19. Um, so they created a $120 million block grant for the California community colleges to really address some of the immediate and urgent impacts of of the, of the virus. Um, and, I'll sh- and then there was $10 million allocated to the CSU and UC for summer financial aid, recognizing that many students, again, may have dropped courses or not fared as well this last spring due to the pandemic and there could be a, a greater demand um, this summer for students to enroll and take courses and so we see ten million dollars for that expanded federal um, financial aid so that students can take advantage of that time and then finally um, you know in the governor's May revise we saw that the governor had taken off the table um, uh, 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 he had put on the table a reduction in the Cal Grant award for students attending private nonprofit universities. So, you know, the Claremont Colleges, USC, Stanford, Mills College, those those private nonprofits in the state. And so, there was a pretty big push um, by Californians to put those Cal Grant dollars back in the budget. Um, again, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a full cut, but it was a reduction. And, you know, I think that part of the rationale for restoring those that cut or, and that budget proposal in May is the fact that, you know, as our public colleges and universities or our public universities turn away qualified students because of issues related to capacity and budget, it will be, in many cases, those private nonprofits that take in those students. And so we want to make sure that low-income students who are attending those universities um, have that Cal grant available to them. So that was all really good news. You know, I think that kind of summarizes some of the, the biggest, you know, uh, alloc- uh, allocations and changes in the budget. Um, and so, you know, there were some some dollars in there for for some you know basic needs like food pantries and and things like that. But th- those definitely summarize, I think, the the main
0: things. What did the legislature not do that you wish they had done? Obviously, there's this trigger cut mechanism. I'm, sh- I'm sure you'd rather not have that in there at all. But but are there other things as we continue to have you know various versions of fourth, fifth, sixth budgets that you guys are going to be seeking in these discussions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest things is, is that there, there are two things I would highlight. One is in dollars for increased enrollment. Um, You know, I think we know that our colleges and universities are more important in an economic recession than at any other time. And we've, Got to make sure that we have spots for students um, at our colleges and universities. And we know that the demand for an education is high. And you know, I think we want to see steady, you know, a steady increase in the number of spots um, for students. I think one of the things that COVID-19 has illuminated for the states is that we can think about the delivery of higher education in new ways in our higher education system can actually pivot in the way that they, again, deliver higher education. Now, there's a lot to be said about quality and improvement in that delivery, but it can be done. And so, you know, I, we want to think about ways in which we can be expanding capacity right now for students to get a college education, not decreasing capacity. I think the second thing I would highlight is the fact that you know in January we all marched into the Capitol and the governor's office, really believing that this was going to be the big year of financial aid reform. You know, I had the pleasure of serving on the California Student uh, California Student Aid Commission's uh, work group to modernize Cal Grant. Um, And and the idea was, you know, how do we think differently about our financial aid uh, programs in California, such that the programs reflect the total cost of college, not tuition and fees, and that our lowest income students are really, um, are, are taken care of in a way that they are not currently taken care of. Um, And that there are not great disparities between award amounts that community college students get compared to what a CSU or UC student gets. So really equitizing the way in which Cal Grant dollars are dispersed. And so, um, you know, obviously the pandemic appended that work. Um, there, there was an opportunity to really, um, you know, in January through March, um, there was a lot of momentum going towards modernizing Cal Grant and creating a new, you know, a new delivery system that, that got rid of some of the arbitrary barriers um, to aid um, and the, again, distinctions between a community college student, UC and CSU student when it comes to Funding um, non tuition costs, Um, but that is just not something that moved forward. And I think, as we, because of the pandemic, and as I think as we move into 2021, um, we have to start thinking about financial aid in a total cost of college sense. And we have to make some tough decisions. And evaluate each of our financial aid streams, and ask the question: Does this, do these dollars, are they going to those students in most need? Um, and I think right now, if we looked at all of our revenue streams that we have for an financial aid, the answer is no. And I think we've got to rethink that um in, tr- in starting in 2021 and reallocate those dollars to our neediest students
0: let me ask you about the timing of of the trigger cuts and and how the universities can adapt to that we you know we've had a, a few guests on the show recently talking about the politics of this and um I, i'm sure you're a nonpartisan organization so i'm not asking you to speculate on that but in terms of the the timing of the feds coming through Strikes me as highly unlikely that that's going to happen this year. Um, I could I could see the scenario for next year as it as it looks increasingly possible that the Democrats might take back the Senate, and if that's the case, let's say let's just say January, best case scenario in a Democratic controlled Congress that there's a big economic package and money starts flowing through to the states, but that wouldn't be soon enough to avoid the impacts of these trigger cuts, right? Because the you know, the universities are going to have to deal with this now, including for um, coming up in the fall? Or is there a way for them to sort of punt down the road and, and hope to get through to a better political environment?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I think that's what our, you know, trustees and regents will be discussing at their, you know, upcoming meetings later this month is, you know, how much room do they have, you know, to pivot? And in many ways, they are predicting Trying to predict what will happen, you know, I think our campuses are going to have to, or our systems are going to have to think about their reserves and, and how much they can flow. Do they look at opportunities to borrow instead of making cuts to again enrollment or raising tuition? Um, I think those are things that that the systems right now are all trying to to figure out, um, you know, with no hard and fast answers.
0: Well, it's been a really great overview of some of the challenges facing higher ed in California, still the largest and greatest university system in the world, but a place that it needs a lot of public policy attention to keep it on that track. And so really appreciate you being on the show today. If, if people want to find out more about your organization's work or get involved, where can they go?
1: Sure, they can go to collegecampaign.org um, and they can get a, they can visit our website there or they can also follow me on Twitter at ADCollegeOp.
0: Great, well, thank you, Audrey, for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. It was great to be with you.
0: Thanks for listening to Nation State of Play. Our producers are Hannah Miller and Jacqueline Artiaga. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. For more information, click through the link on your podcast app to our homepage.